And I think we're live. We're live. We're live. We're live. It's episode 39 of the Wide Awake in Babylon podcast. It is the post-Dieta Thanksgiving special. Indeed. With Tom Tabor and me and Isaac. Yeah. Hey. Who are all in Dieta. I think he left Job in the jungle. Yeah, I think. Well, <clears throat> yeah, maybe. If Job was that gargoyle I heard that last oh. week. <laughs> He had some purges. Well, yeah, you you guys did two ceremonies in total. Yeah, and how many did you do? One at the beginning and one at the end, yeah. I did seven ceremonies, (laughs) and I'll tell you, there's a lot of gargoyles going on, but Mm -hmm. I did some awesome work with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a deep experience. Oh, man. So I figured for this one, because that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. You know, the dieta, the experience of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and some of the people that watched us actually know us. So if we give, like, not an accounting of, like, everything... But accounting of like, what were the the main kind of universal points you could bring home from that to like explain to someone if there you could do such a thing? I mean, there's really no way to explain it, but to point to what that experience is like, yeah, and how beneficial it can actually be. And I think it's different for all of us, which is yeah, really cool. Yeah, right. That's way we can get three different points yeah. of view. So I think what we'll do is we'll just like go around and let each person all talk right. about theirs. You guys want you want to do that? Yeah, I think that's a Great idea. Do you have a camera? Oh, you got okay. The, yeah, Isaac, the camera. Cool. Isaac. All right. So let's just start with Isaac then. Oh snap. Okay. Well, we got there, and I was feeling. You know, I, I my last diet, I made a lot of mistakes, and so I was like, okay, go with the flow, be patient, and uh, yeah, we get in that tombo, and I started reading two books. You know, I said I wasn't going to read any books, but <laughs> yeah, I read a little bit. Uh, <laughs> One book that I recommend for people to read that was immensely profound, especially when it comes to, you know, the direction of society and what I'm dealing with my autoimmune diseases is The Myth of Normal by Gaber Mate. And all of us read that book. And wow, uh, it made made things make more sense and how autoimmune diseases and a lot of the diseases that people are dealing with are related to trauma. Uh, And in my case... It brought on, because I started getting my autoimmune diseases when I was like six months old. I started losing my hair. And that was before I had the cognitive ability to speak with words. Mm -hmm. So it became this theme of no words. Like, right, if I'm going to heal down to that level, that's beyond words. Mm. And so later on in the diet, though, kind of on this no word topic, I devoted myself to a a day of no words. I did talk a little bit. I had some situations where I had to speak. But I've realized that I in particular, I think a lot of people, we waste a lot of our energy with what comes out of our mouth. Because when you're not giving all that energy to the words in your mind and the words you're speaking... It just fills you up like a vessel. Like I was walking around, I'd walk past people, I was just beaming with light, and they would be smiling at me, smiling back. I experienced the most amount of laughter I've ever had in that day, like on a day that you're not supposed to be talking. So yeah, that was pretty profound. But uh, so day seven, I so I ran out of just because due to my work situation i don't have health insurance anymore and i ran out of my high high high-end diabetes equipment which makes taking care of my diabetes an ease uh 
so that was the first time I went on shots. And I went to Walmart. They have in Colorado a law where you, a diabetic can get like insulin without a prescription. And one of the things, I wasn't very diligent on the research before I went out there. And I made an assumption based on very limited research that that insulin acted the same as an insulin I was familiar with 10 years ago. Uh, so I gave myself the shot that night, the same dose. I did 27 units of this Novolin N. And right after that, I wrote in my journal, God, send me a miracle because <laughs> I don't want to be dealing with these sh shots the rest of my life. Well, be careful what you ask for because I ended up giving myself a 7x, seven times the dose that I should have. And once I, because I had my CGM on me still, which tests my blood sugar every five minutes, I started to see my blood sugar really start to crash. And uh, so I gulped a little bit of honey. Notice it really didn't do much. So I put my entire thing of honey into some tea. And so you ever seen like one of those bottles of honey? Yeah. Like it's hard to even glurp a little bit of that down. Imagine drinking the whole thing in a sitting. So I drank that whole thing. Uh, and with how much insulin was in my body, that was the carbs were gone in like 30 minutes. And that's over a hundred carbohydrates. Hmm. Uh, then the next step was we brought down two glucagons, which are like emergency diabetic needles that they have this chemical in them that raises your blood sugar big time. Uh, I've had to give myself two of those in the past and it's kind of crazy because it raises your blood sugar up to like 500. Uh, I gave myself one of those shots and it didn't last more than an hour. So yeah, panic started to ensue and uh, it ended up with us having a living vigil, <laughs> right? I screamed for Jenny, Jenny's Tombow. All of our Tombos were kind of in a line and you could hear someone if they were being loud. And I knew last time I had an encounter of almost dying and I knew Jenny was always going to be on the listen for me because she was out there with me last time. So we called Jenny out. I called Jenny. She got Tom. Well, no, I just heard her. So when I heard her, I said, I'm in. I'm, whatever's going on, I'm going to find out what it is. So I came over too with my gut. And you'd given me one of those glucons. So I brought mine too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there was a, you know, one thing I really learned out there is how draining self pity is. Because when I was walking back, it was one of those moments of self pity. It's like, this is such a pathetic way to die. And I was just bawling my eyes out, you know, like, oh, my death's coming and there's nothing I could do about it. Uh, so we all ended up in the kitchen. the kitchen. Well, we had one round first. It's just me and Jenny the first time. We had two two different sessions, actually. Remember Jenny and I came over and got fruit for you? Oh, that is true. Yeah. Yeah, I ate all that fruit. So I ran down to the kitchen, brought back an armful of grapes and apples and oranges and stuff. And yeah. And that helped for a while. It stabilized you for a bit. What, like an hour? Yeah, that's yeah. about it. Yeah. And then you called out again, and then Jeanette came, and then I got Chris, and we all went to the kitchen together. Yeah, and uh, I don't know how much I want to say about that, but... Say what you say. Yeah. Don't think about it. Just let the story roll, man. Don't hold back. All right. Uh... Well, I was panicking. That was the first thing. Uh, and you really... 
I realized that when we're in those really life-threatening situations, panic doesn't help us at all. Yeah, it just causes more chaos in the situation, doesn't allow you to think clearly. Uh, so in my head, I did the math of like how fast my blood sugar was lowering, and it was like I was going to need to eat a cup of rice every hour. And so we decided to like me to try to keep as less mass in my stomach as possible. So we were like, uh, well, I was sucking a lot of juice out of the grapes. Mm -hmm. uh, but even then, it wasn't enough. And you did, we stared into each other's eyes, right? And I, my rational mind can't put it into any box. And through the coming weeks after this, it was proven to me that what happened in that night can't fit within the box of rationality. I learned that, you know, there's humans are capable of way more than we could ever imagine. And the only way that you're ever going to be able to witness that or experience that or be able to perform that is you got to get outside the box of rationality. Uh, so yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> you burnt insulin out of my body. Yeah. Yep. Got you up to a 270. Yeah, you told it. You're like, this is what I'm bringing you to. And that's what you brought me to. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, to, to top that story off, after all was said and done, like I was back to normal. I was good. Right around dawn. So you're up till dawn. Yeah, it was about 5, 5, 6 a.m. We all started walking back to our Tombos. And I walked back to Chris's Tombo to give him a battery. And he gives me this, like, I don't know what's going on all the time, but he gives me this awkward pat on the back. And I was like, like, right right behind my shoulder blade. <laughs> well, didn't think much of it. Go to my Tombow. I, I set my alarm for an hour just so I could keep monitoring my blood sugar, and I fall asleep. And when I woke up an hour later, I didn't know where the hell I was. Everything was glowing, and... I was looking up, like trying to find a light. Everything looked different. And I, the, what I've interpreted out of that thus far, when this is still really soon into it, is you did a whole Don Juan move where you, you shifted the assemblage point and everything was clear. My state of mind was clear and it was familiar, but I don't know how it was familiar. Yeah. But so after all of that, uh, I decided that I don't think it was a good idea for me to be out in the Tombow. Just be, yeah. And it was actually a relief because I kind of had some pity around like, oh, I'm not doing the strict diet that I came here to do and everyone else is doing it. But towards the end, Enrique said, he's like, no, you're not. Strict diets aren't for you. So you, you, you learn. So, I mean, you're, you're pretty quick to learn. So you don't need to be put through it wasn't like us stubborn old guys yeah <laughs> well i, I you'll did. become a stubborn old guy some at some point so you know just while you're young take the grace where it is <laughs> oh yeah yeah uh so one thing i want to share with people is uh and i'm, I'm not saying this because i want anyone's pity or uh you know anything i don't want anything from anyone I was dealing with an immense amount of suffering when it came to my diabetes out there. 
And with all these ceremonies I was going to, I came to the conclusion that the even worse disease than all of my autoimmune diseases is the disease of the self. The self that's constantly talking in your head, the self that constantly needs your attention, is constantly picking and prodding at other people's business or what they're doing with their life or getting offended of so-and-so. Yeah, that was probably one of the biggest things I learned out there is the self is the biggest disease. It's, it's far greater than any autoimmune disease. Because one thing I learned with all of I, because I was having to wake up every hour, go pee, go poop. He was putting me on all sorts of different plants, crazy plant mixtures. They were flushing out my body. Uh, and I noticed that it was way harder when I wanted to whine and complain about it. And like, oh, I have to pee up again. But when you remove all that and you just deal with what life is putting in front of you, you can walk through with a lot more grace. It doesn't weigh you down as much. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. And the last thing for now that I want to top off on is I, I met Jesus out there. And coming from someone that was like really atheist at one point in my life, walked away from religion. Mm -hmm. It has created a 180 in me where I've been reading the Bible every day and really just soaking up as much wisdom as I can out of that. And one of the things that, that I think a lot of religions got wrong with Jesus is they put the belief that you have to believe in Jesus as your savior, you know, in order to make it to heaven and all that. And I think that was the corruption that seeped into religion's way of becoming a middleman. Yeah. And not making, not, not allowing you to realize that it's inside of you. You're looking outside of you. And that was what Jesus showed me when he showed up in our last ceremony. Like the thing that we're all looking for is inside ourselves. And let me tell you, it's the most simple thing ever, but we are so discombobulated that it feels miles away. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 But yeah, that's, that's enough for me for right now. Okay. Awesome. awesome. Tom. Huh. Hmm. I had, well, for uh, the medicine I, I took was Ayahuma. And I was, when, when he went around to tell us what all our medicines were going to be, that's, I was the last one he told me, he says, I whom, and I just went, like, thank you. Because I, I knew something about this medicine already. I'd, on my la last, last diet, I had read a, a book uh, called Thus Spoke the Plants by this, name, this lady named Monica Gag Gagliano, something like that. Mm -hmm. and, and it was uh, basically about her life, her science, her working with plants, but also her dietas that she had taken. And through her dietas, the plants had actually spoken to her directly as a plant. And the one, one of the one, the big dietas she did was on Ayahuma. So I knew from her experience what that was like, and that it was a sacred medicine, um, not just within the world of the Amazon, but also in Buddhism. That a lot of Buddhist temples will have two Ayahuma trees at the entrance because they, it's that sacred. It actually connects you with spirit. And so I was like, wow, this will be really, really cool. So I was excited about that. Um, and when I got out there, it was interesting because we had all had different talks and our different ideas about what we we're going to do out there. And, and you, you had, Chris, you'd mentioned to me like, oh, I'm just going to not wear anything. I was like, oh, I really don't like being naked. And I really thought about that. Like, I don't, 
like when I'm by myself, I sleep with shorts on or, you know, boxers. Uh, when I'm with a partner, I still like to have boxers. I don't like to be naked, really. And it's just the thing. And so I'm not a guy that walks around the house naked, even if you're there by yourself. So I like looked in those. Why is that? Was that some sort of shame thing in there? I don't, I don't know. So instead I said, oh, I'm just going to embrace it. So I spent a good chunk of my diet at butt ass naked and barefoot and walking around out and not out in the jungle, but the 50 feet around my tambo. And, you know, there's ants and scorpions and all kinds of things out there, but I wasn't worried about it. I just walked around and watched where I stepped, that sort of thing. And it was really nice. Like I really had a nature boy experience out there, mm -hmm. really connecting with nature. Like, yeah, I mean, you have pictures prove it. It's kind I of went around there at night. That's, yeah. No, I don't go out that door. Yeah. I went around at night. I had a, I had a lot of neighbor, like animal neighbors. I was living in their neighborhood and they were very welcoming actually in their, in each in their own way, actually. And, uh, uh, some of the animals that connected with, uh, the monkeys, they're just, they're, they're, these monkeys, they're really small. They're about the size of a squirrel. And they, they don't make a lot of noise vocally. Like, howler monkeys sound like lions, right. so they're really small. But these guys stay pretty quiet. But the noise they make is just a troop of them will come to the trees. And it sounds like elephants coming to the trees because they make so much noise doing it. And so, at one point, I heard this. They just got really loud, like more loud than they usually were. And I was like, okay, what are you guys doing out there? So, I got out and went out to my near my latrine and was looking up at them. And I could see him like about a hundred feet up in these trees way up there. And as I'm standing there, suddenly all these projectiles start flying at me about a hundred. It was like little acorns. They were tossing them at me. None of them hit me, but I was like, but, and none of them would hurt me. But I was just thinking it was so hilarious that they're just like, ah, get away and just like bombarded me from the air. And I just thought I was laughing so hard. And so that was pretty nice, actually. And they, they did it one more time, but that was it. Um, I had a bullfrog about the size of a cantaloupe and he looked like, he just looked pretty fierce. He had like these two bony projections sticking out of his back that looked like horns. Right, right. He was intense. He but he was chill. He's just like a Buddha little frog. He just sat there. He didn't make it much noise. Just sat there, really present. And I took his picture one night. And then these two other critters. I saw the first one. Well, actually, it was the second time I was going. The night we went over to Isaac. That that night, he just recounted. I'd gone over there once with Jenny, and then heard him call again. And the second time I was walking over to Jenny's place because that was between our two i look over and i see this monster looking up out of the creek and I'm like oh what are you and i didn't know what it was and it just turned around and it swam into the creek and it had this big old tail it looked like something between an alligator or a gar i had no idea later on i went out another night and found it it was a three foot long alligator yeah. a jungle alligator and it was you know a big old round thing and it was pretty ferocious but so then i just check on it every night and you could put your headlight in the creek and I just see like the end of a cigarette burning. It was one of the, its eyeballs is an orange eyeball and just looked like the end of a cigarette burning in the creek. And so I knew where each of them were because of their eyes and they wouldn't come out at day. So I always looked around for them at day. They never saw them, but it, and they, I think they stayed inside of a mud hole in the, the creek bed mm -hmm. in the day and they'd come out each night. So at first I was a little concerned about them, but they weren't aggressive. So I just called them the night watchmen and it seemed like they were keeping the peace in the hood. Like they were the ones that were like, all right. Nobody got a line here, including including you humans that have showed up recently. And so, they were just kind of cool to have. Um, for the medicine, it was interesting. I was I was took it at dawn each morning, six in the morning, as the sun came up, and just took, you know, three fingers in the glass, like mm -hmm. poured it in a glass and measured it out with three fingers. And I'd take it, and the first couple of mornings, I'd feel something that kind of made me feel like 
It wasn't, it didn't, it tasted fine. It didn't taste bad. It tasted tree, like a tree tea, which it was. Um, a little bit spicy, garlicky sort of taste. But then it would, for about three or four hours, put me into a state of a little bit of zoning out, but also clarity of mind at the same time. And the thing I most noticed was it just quieted down all internal talk. I was like, ah, there's the sacred. It's just like, mm-hmm. what does it feel like? What does it feel like to experience life without internal dialogue? And like, wow, this is actually easy. And I know that it's giving me this boost in doing that. And in some ways, I could think more clearly. In other ways, it was hard to concentrate. Like something technical, just none of that was coming through. The last time I journaled a lot, this time I just decided. I'm only going to write down things if I want to. I'm not going to keep a daily log. That felt like too much work, like an obligation. I didn't want any obligations. It's like write down stuff when you feel and don't and don't try to relate this experience to anybody. Just have your have your experience rather than trying to translate your experience. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I decided was to the last time I kind of was using my phone at the beginning, taking pictures, but also looking at it, checking what time it was. I said I'm going to put this thing away the whole time. And for 30 days, I won't know what time it is, and I won't know what day it is, and I won't know how many more days there are to have, so I won't have any anticipation around any of that. Because in this society, to not know what time it is, it's hard to go in this society without knowing what time it is, because we're just constantly bombarded. What's the time? What's the time? What's my obligation? And I had none, so I was giving myself the gift of no obligation of having to be accountable to time. So I got into the rhythms of the day. So each day I just wake up at dawn naturally. Um, I'd kind of sleep, sometimes take a nap before breakfast, sometimes I'd just stay up and just meditate, um, things like that. And that was really just helping get in tune with my own body, being in tune with nature more too. So that was that was really profound. And then there's just a lot of, without trying to force anything, like what do I need to fix in myself? You know, what do I need to change in my life? What do I, how do I need to behave differently? None of that, just let it all come as it comes, when it comes. And a lot would come because I wasn't trying to force anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did bring, I think I bring, brought seven books and they're all books that were things I wanted to work on in my life. Things I wanted to, to get more information about. I wanted experts that could help me prompt new ideas and new thoughts to really ponder about my life. And so in all in all, I, I think I read 12 books altogether and we kind of had a, the silent book club is what Jenny calls So our fourth person was with our friend, Jenny, and when we finished the book, we'd send it to the next person in line that we thought probably needed to check this yep. book out. And so we had... Like when Arturo would come to spring break. Yeah, whenever the food lunch, came along, you'd say, hey, take this to time. Yeah, it's our little mail service between our tampos because <laughs> it was Arturo. And uh, it was cool because you didn't bring any books, but then you ended up reading a lot of books also. I did. Yeah. I did. And I, you know, it's funny is I used to read like crazy and I haven't for years. And it's like, I forgot how literature is absolutely important and finding time to sit down with an, a book yeah. it's important there's all you know people do a lot of books on tape you miss most of that mm-hmm. most of the time you know the reading it it's it's almost like you're putting it into your energy field mm-hmm. it's not it's just you're not just like open and receptive you're actually like intentionally yeah. taking that in and it's weird it's like you can get on a page with the author or the writer of the book mm-hmm. and it's almost like you're in their brain yeah yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I read cool. four. Oh, that's okay. I read four Carlos books. I've read all. I've read them all at least once before. And uh, but this time going through them, this is where that clarity was. It's like as I was reading them, I was reading them really carefully, really slowly, and looking to see how much more meaning I could pull out of each 
every every paragraph, every sentence, every word. It's like, and not assume that anything was just a transitional phrase between things. Like looking at the transitional parts of it, and going, is there something inside this transitional phrase that doesn't look like it's anything, but maybe it's a huge thing? Right, right. And I found a few that were like, oh, hold on, he's saying one thing, but meaning two different things. Right. Um, and then just some golden nuggets of just freaking profound wisdom, and those were like, particularly in a separate reality. As I was reading through, I'd hit one of these, I'd hit like three pages of, holy crap, this whole three pages is like, yeah, I need to remember this. Because as soon as I put this book down, I'm going to remember the vagueness of it, but I want to know this nugget. So, I'd get out my journal and I wrote down word for word the actual quote, and I'd go on for like eight pages of a quote. And it was about the living life as a warrior, what it really meant. Uh, what is controlled folly, really? What is stalking and how is stalking uh, both mostly within oneself, but also just in your whole life. It's this ruthless, it's ruthlessness, it's cunning, it's patience, and it's sweet. And really taking those to heart and seeing how that is in my own life and how that could change my life in, in more profound ways. So, yeah. those are really big. Um, uh, some of the books we read, Driven was really good. It was about... Uh, ADHD, or what we call HJD, but it also, it was talking about the superpower of it. Mm -hmm. There's some dysfunction in there. There's some behaviors that aren't so good, but there's a lot of beautiful things inside of that as well. And so, that was good. And then a book recommended in that book was The Art of Learning, which I ordered just before we left. Didn't know who it was by or what it was. They said, you should, this is a profound book. So, I got that. And we all read that. I was like, wow, it's really good. That was really good. It's uh, written by the man who was the subject of the movie, uh, uh, searching for Bobby Fischer, mm -hmm. who's a chess master, world championship chess. And plays Sir Planet Linkers Six. Sir Planet Six in Washington Park in New York City with just the guys, the yeah. the homeless guys yeah, stuff that yeah, play there, yeah, and he yeah. and they took him under their wing. They they wouldn't cuss things around. They the drug deals would go off to the side, and all that was. And they made it you know family friendly for him, and it became you know master in that. And then the movie that was it was a book written by his dad that became a Hollywood movie. That was a really good movie. It's worth watching. Uh, it kind of ruined his whole chess career because he came, became a celebrity and there's all this pressure on him. And he's going through a transitional s stage in his life with, with chess right then. He was given a teacher that wasn't the best teacher at that time. And so, the chess world kind of fell apart from him after that. And, and just being in America was really hard because he was too well known. He spent some time in Europe and then kind of reinvented his life and decided he found, he found a, a Zen Buddhism. A, the three, th well, actually, a book. It's called The Three Pillars of Zen. Was the book that really that brought it into his awareness, and then he found uh, uh, Tai Chi actually, and he found one of the best Tai Chi masters in the world in New York City, and started just going to his classes. And it's like, wow, this is really cool. And after six months, he had gained all this skill, like years worth of skills, just in six months. And his teacher said, why don't you come join the push hands class, which is, it's not a violent thing, but it's more of a defensive, transforming your opponent's energy and grounding it out and, and defending in this different way than that's non-aggressive, but still very potent. And he got involved in that and got better and better at that. And that's the national sport of tai Taiwan, actually. And eventually went over to Taiwan and competed and then became a world champion in that. And just that whole path, the profound lessons of of being a world expert in two different domains, chess and, and uh, Tai Chi, uh, there's just so much learning in that that's applicable in so many different ways other than competition is what I, I kept seeing. It's like, oh, this is how you can just take your life to the next level. So that was a big one. The Gabor Mate book was profound because it's not just about autoimmune diseases, but he talks about um, 
ADHD. He talks about addiction. He talks about pregnancies, the medical system. And I only got halfway through, so... Also, our society and, and how it's... The sickness set up to create sickness. Yeah, our society is a sickness that we're living in, so it's hard to be out of sickness because of the way, the constraints of our society we live in. And so I only got halfway through, so I got two new copies that arrived tonight. So one's for me and one's for friends. <laughs> it's easy reading. It, well, it stays interesting. It was dense in some places, and it was really hard to get to the pregnancy stuff because it was so just awful the way that our society does pregnancy and, and birth. It's really, really quite painful. Um, but uh, I spent like the first two weeks really at my Tambo, didn't leave there. And then the last two weeks, I'd go out and go down to the river. I'd, they had a hot springs. They'd just finished completing like this pool of water that has hot springs that bubble up. And so I'd go there every day the last two weeks. And there's a big rock in the middle of the river. I'd sit out there too. And so I spent more time out in the river the last two weeks. And the last two weeks I didn't smoke mapaches. It, it was just the medicine said, don't do this anymore. And I didn't know if that was forever or not, mm -hmm. but didn't. And then I've smoked a little since then, but not heavy. So yeah, it's been... And the lessons are, are subtle. They're, they're quiet. They're, um, I got really energized for life and have all these ideas around different things I want to do in this world and new projects and things and how to transform some of the projects I'm doing. And, and everything feels like it's going to go next level. And so it's really just, I'm excited for life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's my experience. Hmm. All right. Well, I'll go into mine, I guess. Then. So we showed up, what, Wednesday? Rested. And then went into ceremony Thursday, the 18th, something like that. And that one, you know, it was, that way it was interesting. It was just, just lay down. So I laid down pretty much the whole time. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, just listening to, you know, Enrique singing those Ikaros. Yeah. And then just, and Olympia before the, then, you know, he's like, wow, do you guys want to, I'm like, let's go out. Let's do this. And I went in my tambo. I brought, I brought, I, cause at the place, you know, at Santuario where there's a kitchen and the mess hall where you eat, there's bookshelves. So I found a couple of books, you know, I figured, okay, I'll read these. And then one of them was The Myth of Normal, which I've always wanted to read. And that's a 500 and some page book. Mm -hmm. I finished it in an afternoon, day. <laughs> wow. Seriously. Uh, yeah. I, it's interesting cause I, rem you know, I remember that from being young. It kicked in real easy. I mean, I was reading. It wasn't like I was spending all my time reading. I read 15 books. And I even read a book that it said in the beginning that this book will make you mad because it's so repetitive. It was in the Buddha's words. So it's all these sermons or, you know, talks he would give the monks uh, from the Pali Canon, which is like a old stories of him. Nothing was ever written down. It was, you know, by word of mouth. So it's mm -hmm. kind of, then someone put it down, you know, and they wrote. And that is the... In, He's right. It is the most, it's like he'll give you a simile about something and then he'll say, I did all these words around it. And then he'll give you a simile of something else, but say the same words around it. And it's over. Like this goes on for 20 pages. Just repetition. Just repetition. You know, like, like if a, if, if a log is in the fire, blah, blah, blah. Or as if this, this would happen, this would happen, this would happen. It was like two paragraphs of what would happen. And it just kept repeating over over and over and over so yeah it was hard to get through i mean there was some good stuff in it mm -hmm. but i realized yeah i'm not a buddhist that's not <laughs> me that's not my way hmm. it's not my thing you know and, i mean i read it i, I did i just 
buckled down and read it. But uh, Carl's books, read five of those. Mm-hmm. But I read for like from about noon till about four. That was it. So um, the medicine, you know, the Tahosquito, which just tastes, it tastes like garlic, that stuff. And there was, you know, those were, that was thick. It was really thick. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's like a shot glass, you know, mm-hmm. maybe 1.5 ounces. And from day one, the minute I drank that, 6 a.m., I just, it's weird. It's like I would instantly become very, very tired. I would lay down and I would almost instantly be in a dream almost instantaneously and it was interesting because in the dreams it was like all of these situations were being put in front of me and i was actually extremely conscious in them so it's like i was navigating and learning like learning ways out of places right learning about what not to engage i mean it was when to engage when not to i mean it was was like a lot of stalking in dream time which was fascinating because i think i had roughly 55 very very clear very very lucid very real dreams in 30 days Hmm. you know and i remember all of them Mm -hmm. each one of them there was one that just kept continuing and continuing and continuing and that that was fascinating and you know we'll do like a dream episode and talk about some of those Mm because there's some of them that were just like whoa (laughs) what the hell is going on you know but i pretty much stayed in my tambo yep i stayed in my tambo my I would go out every other day to go down to the bathhouse just to wash off because mm-hmm. you know, that's where the only water was for me. And then just walk right back and just spent from about 6 p.m., you know, light a candle. And then when it's dark outside, stop, I'm, in, uh, I'm in bed and sit there until 6 a.m. And probably I'd sleep about six hours a night. Mm-hmm. But just sitting there in the dark was the most. It's interesting. What I noticed was that thoughts build structures and those structures have roots that's their structure in a way so it's like you have a whole layer of thought this went on for like the first 15 days maybe yeah 14 15 days it was really crystal clear at day 15 so that's halfway through but i'm looking at these thoughts because you know it's like i've been a very busy man for you know over a decade now of just going 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 and you know it's like and i do take time to make sure you know i'm keeping my work on myself that i'm not getting delusional but i've never had 30 straight days to myself like that just nobody around you know just a really pleasant guy bringing me breakfast lunch and dinner mm-hmm. you know two potatoes and a little bucket of rice every day i didn't eat anything else they brought me fish i'm like nope rice and potatoes and stay with the rice potatoes water and you know and you're not pooping much every couple of days yeah at that and just and it was funny because like the first couple of days that medicine hit me there would be times like right around 2 a.m it was just like i would feel this kind of deep from my own roots energy just kind of come up and really uncomfortable really uncomfortable really pushing the edges of your nerves and it would go out and i would find my whole central nervous system just relaxing relaxing and then once it got relaxed it's like i could look at the thoughts because you know there's there's, there was a lot of them before i left around a lot of things you know there's just a lot going on then um, you know and so i'm looking at those thoughts and seeing them and then it was like they would fade and i would see the structure that held them up right and those structures were tied to experiences so it was like i would just peel a layer of thoughts off 
to to observe the structure of those thoughts, which were based in experiences. Peel those away. And it was just like that just kept happening night after night. It was like, like sheets being peeled out of a notebook and just thrown to the wind. Yeah, it was really cool. And I got down to like the place where it's beyond thought. No thought goes there. There's no something you could say about it in that way. It's a thought. There's 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 none of that there. And it was from there that when I would touch that spot, although I'm sitting in pitch black, light would come in from the periphery and just get right here. I mean, bright. And I'd open my eyes and no, there's no light. And that just kept happening. And then about 15 days in, you know, after that cleared, in my central nervous system, I mean, that that's really... I think the thing that was the most profound is how settled it became mm-hmm. because it's, it's throughout your whole body. It may as well be your energy body in a sense or a representation of it because that's where all the things are. And it was like, I, you know, anytime the body got uncomfortable, I was just, I would just breathe into it. And my central nervous system was just fine. Just rested, 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 you know, and then, then went through doubts and like, where's the doubt sit? You know, what is it you're still doubting? Where, where is it that you might not be completely on board with what life's putting in front of you? And not accusatory. I think, you know, if you're going to be honest with yourself, then what yourself is has the power to withstand your own scrutiny. You know, and I found at one point, the spirits started coming around. That's when, it, you know, the D16 was really intense. They'd shake my tambo. And I, and I could hear them. I mean, I could hear these kind of tones and vibrations. And then, so they did that for a night or two. And then they'd be in the trees. I could hear them. They were like whispering my name. You know, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. No fear. No fear around it at all. And you'd just use the hair on the back of your neck stand. And I'd be like, well, this is really happening. And then they got in closer. And then there was one that would be under my bed and just push up on my back like this. Yeah, just like, okay, all right. So what's that? I mean, I blocked the door to make sure nothing big could get in there. It's like, I don't need a snake. That's not going to do me very well. You know, and, and so they were pushing on my bed and they would be running around outside. There was one night they were just making all kinds of sounds. And I, I, I see one of them because I, I sat up and I looked outside and I could see him glowing outside. And he just looked at me, oh man, and just booked. And I was like, <laughs> okay, all right. And then it really settled into where, even with my eyes closed, I was seeing the jungle and it was illuminated. It was like everything was blue, mm-hmm. right? And the energy just pouring in just started increasing, increasing, increasing. Mine went completely quiet. So for the last two weeks, it was just like just watching the jungle all around me, mm-hmm. you know? And I had big butterflies, a lot of hummingbirds. I had these black birds with orange beaks. They would line up on my clothesline. That was pretty sweet. Um, a praying mantis that was going after lizards. Those that was that was cool. intense. Yeah. Oh, he was. He had to be that big. Holy I mean, he was huge. It was mm-hmm. like he could probably have broke my finger. But yeah, he was going after the little lizards. <laughs> and then I got to watch two lizards mate right above <laughs> my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was interesting. I'd never seen that before. You know, <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah, you know, and you know, I noticed the lizards coming. I don't mind them. They're just eating bugs. They're just hanging out up there. Yeah. But if you sing to them, that's interesting. I would sing to them when the lizards would come in. I would sing a lizard song, and they would freeze like this, and they would just look at you. I'm like, oh, because you know, like in in Carlos's book, when he's doing the Detura thing, you have to sing to the frogs, and they would just be docile. 
So those are, yeah. yeah, so he's right. Yeah, you sing to them. They just, and you could touch them. They don't move. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, the little ones, not the big ones. I had one that was stomping around. I thought he was a pit bull. He's like in the grass. He's just in like in the pile of dry leaves. But he's like that big. Wow. And he had a brown head and a green like bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on the and he was like leaping, <laughs> you know, like a pit bull going after a rabbit. <laughs> and he would just look up at me, you know, he's just full of piss and vinegar. <laughs> so me and him got along well. The night birds. There was one that's like, whoop, whoop. Mm-hmm. And I sat up, and I just, just bliss in my heart, dude, just fully blissed. I mean, it's, it's just beyond. And I could hear the bird, and every time it would sing, it would be like, so I would get it mimic it. Oh, yeah? And I would sing back, and mm-hmm. I would sing back. And it got to the point where we went, were in a rhythm. I mean, and go, and just back and forth. Did this for like three hours, you know, cool. and the owls swooping in yeah that they i could hear them there was one night where i'm pretty sure it must have been an owl flew up in my roof because there was a war going on above my head I, i've got a theory because this time i thought they were owls last time and this time i think they're fruit bats with a big old wingspan like this because i thought the building was because owls are silent they're they're silent flyers but these are noisy leathery flyers so i think they're giant bats yeah there was definitely a war yeah of species going on in yeah. my ceiling right above the little plastic yeah. i thought it was going to come down it's like oh god what comes down with that oh man because you know there's snakes up there and mm-hmm. kind of stuff i mean the and it was yeah but just appealing the way the, the layers that the mind you you could walk through your whole life and not really realize this is happening to you mm-hmm. your your central nervous system could just be firing for no reason at all just because it's used to that mm-hmm. and to be able to settle that thing down it was like then the real physical healing started to happen. It's like all the pain was going out of my joints. It's like I felt clean, evacuated. It's like you, after, you know, two weeks, you sweat, you know, it doesn't smell bad. It's like, oh, yeah. I mean, smell my hair. I hadn't washed it in 30 days. Smell clean as can be. Oh. And felt clean, you know. And it wasn't really like, I didn't have any, like, future thoughts. But I did have a lot around. It's like, you know. There are things that I, I won't put them in front of life. Life, what life puts in front of me, that is most important. I say that and I mean it. But when there's the openings, it's like, what do I want to put in the openings that belong to me? You know, where you get your reprieve, you know, and, and look at that a little bit because I, you know, I tend to sacrifice those moments, mm-hmm. you know, and then to not do that because ultimately it's about, you know, growing, developing, learning more. Some of the things I did learn, though, this was some incredible stuff. So one night, a mosquito comes into my tambo, or into my, you know, I'm dreaming. I'm not really dreaming. I'm just laying there, and it's all going on. So it's like dreaming while you're awake, basically. But he comes in, he's got this, he's a wild-looking character. He's fully just, you know, like lean, but just ripped. You know, like, a, like an Irish bare-knuckle boxer, mm-hmm. just ripped. And he's got this, it's not a mohawk standing up, but it's like shaved up on the sides. And it's this long tail that goes off the back of him. Mm-hmm. And his head is like shaped to where it slopes down. So he's got like a jutting chin. And he does this war cry. And he does it, and suddenly we're in a ceremony, right? It's like this whole ceremony's going on, ayahuasca ceremony. He's like, watch the door, right? And I would sit there and look over at it. And I would see spirits coming in. 
And he would talk to me. He'd be like, what's, is that one a medicine spirit? And some of them were obviously not. It's like, no, 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 no. So you remove them. He's like, watch these. And they come in and they seem like medicine. They really do. It's like, whoa. And then they get in there and they turn and just pop. It's like, it becomes a completely different thing. And he was showing me, here's how you handle this. Right. And I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And that how to like, even more so protect that space mm -hmm. because you are really cry. You have crossed the threshold, you know, and if you're going to cross those thresholds, I mean, you're not in a world that's not real there. It's, it's as much an impact on your central nervous system as this world. So there's something very real with it. And I find, and it was interesting because going through all that, like he, he was showing me like with Mapacho, He's like, here's one thing you can do to really protect yourself if you feel like, you know, you really are kind of too open. And it was basically take a mapancha, right? Light it. And you don't inhale it. You just blow it in your hands. Mm -hmm. And you do this for like 10 minutes. And what you come up with is there's oil, all of the tobacco oil in your hands. And you just start, you just rub your body with it. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was pretty amazing, pretty amazing stuff. And yeah, I mean, then the, the, the last couple of days we were there, this spirit would come in and touch my back, put his hand on my back. I would just say, thank you. Hmm. And then, you know, it, what was really nice is coming out of the jungle and then landing at that spot, being there for those couple of days. It's called Manish. It's like a resort. Oh, that was in Pacalpa, It's like you don't have to be in the city. Oh. You're behind this, you know, a, a, a gate that's got security. It's got a great restaurant. It's perfect diet of food. It's beautiful. It's quiet. There's a pool, air conditioning, great plumbing. Other people doing ceremonies, mm -hmm. work, and yeah. we met really cool people there. Yeah, we met some really cool people there. Yeah, yeah and it wasn't pretentious or any of no. that. So, yeah, it was a good place to just kind of settle in before going to the airport. We're going to always do that from now on, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, and going to the airport, that was, it was interesting because there was like a bubble around me. It's like, no matter what was going on, it's like nothing disturbed me at all. Not even, really nothing has. And it's like, I'm just, and I, what I'm finding is that because you're spending 30 days, 33 days, saturating yourself with that medicine, just getting saturated. You're drinking it every morning, you know, mm -hmm. boom, boom, boom. And, you know, and there's the post dieta where it's like certain things you don't do, you know, and it's different for everybody. But. And, you know, and he stresses this, you, you got to do the post yet a follow up. So like a month of no sex, no meat for a month, no oil for five days, no nuts for five days, rice and potatoes, right? And, you know, and start adding things in after a month, you could, you know, pretty much go that route. But, you know, and he had stressed me is make sure you stick with that. And I have been. And what I find is that it's, I feel it stronger now. I mean, after two days of rest and getting home and sleeping and like shift, it was weird. It was like, I didn't step back into my old life. Something shifted and I could tell it was shifting. So mm -hmm. using the energy to try to, to really integrate that shift in, right. To keep that, you know, you know, you know what I mean? Um, it was a lot of energy. So I was, I just knocked the hell out for like a day and a half. <laughs> you did. You really did. Yeah, yeah. Really knocked out. And then I woke up and I feel it's weird. It's like, it's in the marrow of my bones. Mm. Right. And I can, I feel it working more now than I did when I was in the jungle. Mm. Cause I'm in my own home now, you know, and going out today and cutting firewood. Yeah. 
I feel like a 14 year old. I feel like I'm 14 physically. It's like, this is, this is insane. I haven't weighed this much since I was 16 years old. You dropped like 15 pounds. Mm -hmm. Another 15. Mm -hmm. So when I started like taking dieta seriously, taking working, you know, jungle wise seriously, I was at 225. Now I'm at 160. Hmm. So that's how much I've lost over, you know? And, and, and when I lost a chunk of it after doing all that ancestral shit, mm -hmm. um, I lost a bunch, just, just fell off me. Like it wasn't even there. You know, it was like something that, you know, he was saying, it's like, the stress and tension about worrying about where you're at physically, where you're at mentally, that's a tax on your central nervous system, right? To worry about it, there's no solution in worrying, right? There's no solution in doubting your moves. You calculate your moves. Make them as wise and as good of a choice as you can and then own them and move through it. You know, I think that's the ruthlessness of the stalking, right? Is... is yeah, you, that's something might try and block you, but that's where you're going, and there is no stopping you. There is no get knocked backwards. You know, and it's hard to not get knocked backwards, especially if we live in a society like this. It's a discombobulated ball of confusion. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, there's, it's like, what's going on? Madness. I've said this before. It's like, there's, well, which side's right? It's madness. No one. Yeah. No one. No, none of them. You know, this power, this power, that power, this country, that none of them are right. Not not one of them. And, and all of them that are participating in mass conflict right now, neither one are right. And it really just comes down to there's nothing to think about it. It's madness. Mm -hmm. And if you want to make sense out of madness, you have to make room for madness in your life to make sense out of it because you're going to have to put your senses into it, which means it can take you over. Why, why threaten yourself in such a way? You know, and it's like, I can get drawn into that, like looking at it. Like I, I was kind of a little nervous about going down there because the whole thing breaks out between Israel and Palestine. And that's a, that's a hotbed of emotion and all kinds of things. It's a lot of fiery rhetoric sitting around that from all sides. And, you know, what happens if our country gets taken, taken, it takes a hit while I'm gone. I can't get mm -hmm. home. Well, that, that was the only thing. And that really, it, once we got there, that never entered my mind again. I didn't think mm. about it at all. I didn't think about conflict, nothing. I was really just taking that time for myself. So the recapitulation process was pretty intense. I was, And it was weird because it would be like a dream would happen. And a series of thoughts would come. I'd mind the thoughts out, see the structure holding it. The experience that, that, would, that would, those thoughts were tied to. But it was opening up like areas of my past just chunks and then i would go through all these things about that chunk of time and then this chunk of time and it wasn't like linear it was just kind of all over the place mm -hmm. but each day would be something different you know i got to that real quiet 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 place and that last ceremony that we did before we left because i implemented a lot of what i learned because we were you know there was many nights where i'd be sitting in ceremony in the tambo in my dreams mm -hmm. just in the ceremony watching watching and yeah, bringing that in was just sheer power. And it was not like a our power, it was subtle, but it was powerful. Like the watching all those Jaguars just come in and just take seats around the Maloka, right? And seeing bears coming in and taking seats around the Maloka and just, you know, and hearing, you know, what was coming out of me, uh, made me, it made me tear up. I was like, whoa. And especially when, you know, it's like I knew I had learned some ecros, but it wasn't anything I was going to practice. They were coming out in ceremony. Mm -hmm. 
and that yeah that when that ahosquito spirit stepped in that room i was like i was so connected to it it was so saturated in the core of my bones that just i mean it was like something grew wings oh i'd never heard it grows like that from you before it's really something else yeah it was it really was that you know and it's so part of it is also i got to look at you know the way i interact with people yeah, it's like I'm. I'm not going to stop being who I am. That's just not going to happen. But just you know, it's like you can always see more. I used to. I think I put it on my Facebook page before that the sign of someone who's truly achieving mastership is this: sometimes a teacher, but always a student. I mean, I don't. You know, whatever my shortcomings are, anybody that knows me, they see them. I don't hide them. You know, I get frustrated. Nobody doesn't know. <laughs> it's like I don't. You know, I don't like try to bury that anymore i'm just just kind of comes and it goes and comes and it goes but just getting older you know and looking at like the generation coming up under us you know that they don't speak the same language we did we were born prior to model language language as modeling Mm -hmm. right and that's what they were born into so the thought structures yeah, that's so it's like, oh, I have another almost like another tool in my medical kit, if you will, to be able to really and to be able to do it in, in maybe a subtler way that has more effect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I do. Yeah. It's the thing Josh is talking about, like Muhammad Ali, when he punches and, and you look back at those films, it's almost like nothing happened right. because if you're at that level and you wind up like this and punch, you're it'll be seen so then you actually as you become a master your punch is almost imperceptible with the same power of wind right. up in the full like being three inches away and bring as much power as if you had your and hand full so the same with, with everything in life the whatever power you're bringing whatever way you're bringing it mm-hmm. it's like making it more subtle but yet all the potency mm-hmm. is actually the way of mastery yeah but that you know and having i may there yeah it's just <laughs> i was sitting in heaven straight up and i was like oh hey cool cool mm-hmm. You know, and then coming home, it, it's weird. It's it's still, it's gradual. This is a gradual thing. I mean, it's subtle, but it's not at all. I mean, it really, I could see where someone would take it. It's a subtle move, but I'm really like focused in on the subtle. So I see how potent it all actually really is. You know, so it's been good. Right. And the central nervous system, take care of that because that is the key to, to everything. And, it, you know, and you have to see what, what you do, how it affects it. You know, and to do that dieta, your rice and potatoes, I mean, you're resetting everything, right? So you can kind of see, oh, okay, any kind of gastrointestinal issues are coming from that. You get to see, like, what is it about the way you are that clouds your mind, clogs your body, and puts, like, calcium in the pipe where you get energy from so you don't get as much because there's too narrow of a tube for it to come through. So you keep that cleaned up, you know, and just really a lot around that, Mm you know, and, and... there's nobody there but you. Mm-mm. Nobody there. But you, you really get to figure out whether you like yourself or not. Yep. And I got to see my snake. <laughs> I've been going out there for years. Never seen a snake. And then this time, I'm like, I want to see a snake. The first day hiking out there, I didn't see it, but see the, the guy jumped back. Whoa! He's like snake, and he just went off in the grass. I never saw it. But that last day in the Tambo. I was coming back at 5.30. We're doing ceremony that night. He said, come back to the village at 5.30. You're done. It's like, okay. So I blew myself with tobacco, covered it, you know, the oil. 
and I walk back. And, uh, well, before I walk back, just when I got done smudging myself, doing all the tobacco and the rubbing on and mm-hmm. blowing and the thing, sopla, sopla, sopla. Uh, I got up and close and personal with a snake. And holy shit. Those things have my respect. They have, this land, that land belongs to them. I have never, I mean, five foot long, probably about as, about an inch and a half around two inch pipe, maybe not probably quite two inches, but an inch and a half to inch three quarters, mm-hmm. which is pretty big. What? Five feet long, black, black, the green stripe down his back. Oh. And just when I got done doing that, I looked down and he, I seemed like he came out of nowhere because suddenly he's on my deck, right? And my beloved Maloka door is open. And he comes right up, pokes his head in the door, and then shoots off that deck. His moving was shaking my tambo, like shaking it. And I walked into the village, and I saw Enrique. I'm like, I saw a snake. He's like, yeah, it's the spirit saying goodbye. It's like, uh-huh. It's like, you done good. It's like, thanks, thanks. And, you know, that's an element that, I mean, I get it. I get when he says the most important thing are dietas and 10 day dietas won't do it. It takes eight days just to get the decontain, just to decontaminate your central nervous system. Eight days at least before it's truly decontaminated where you can dive in deeper, you know, but I totally get what he means. And if you work in that medicine field and plants are your way, yeah, it's a great learning experience because those spirits do show up. I mean, do they show up sitting in your tambo? No, they usually show up in your dream field. But it's your dream field is so lucid and your central nervous system is firing all through it. And you can feel it even in your dreams. So there's a lot of work going on in there, which is, you know, because like if I go to take a shower and come back or do bathe, throw water on me and come back. I mean, that's it. I have no energy left for anything else in the day other than eat my potatoes and my rice. Yeah. You know? And it's just really energy, yeah. Never left the tambo. And for you know, you brought me that hammock. I sat in it for twenty minutes one day, about ten minutes the next. I'm gonna go sit my tambo. Okay. It was like my, but you know, what's interesting is I was listening to the. Cause I like to listen to some of these podcasts to make sure we're not sound like idiots. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows? I don't think we are, but that's me. And I was listening to the one we did prior to coming out of here mm-hmm. at the at the hotel, and because uh, the people were. Love making extra. I don't want to listen to that. So I just turned on my podcast, put on my headphones, and just listened to it. And I explained, I said what I wanted to do, what I was going to do when I went there. I did that. I did exactly what I said. I was like, oh, wow, you actually did go out there with an intention that wasn't me like dreaming up intentions and setting goals. It was just, this is what I'm really going to look at. And yeah, that's exactly what I did. I won't be leaving my tambo, which I did not. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, you know, when it's like 15 books. Yeah. Yeah, 15 books. And it's, you know, it's like, where was that? All you were doing was reading? No. No, I read like three, four hours a day, tops. Not every day. You know, probably 12 days. But two of those books I could finish in a day. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because, you know, it, it's I had that when I was young, when I would read a lot, that I could just absorb that. I didn't have to think about it. I just absorb it. And then when I put it down, I don't try to think about anything. And it's like, that's what I mean by if you, you get if you get into their brain, it's like you're downloading almost an energy, right? And then that energy plays through your whole psyche, right? And then you get your own understanding of it. So now you could put all the information you just got from that in your own words instead of plagiarizing somebody else's, right? So it's kind of puts you back in your own creative process, right? Because there's a lot of that. I just really creative, 
visionary things. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, it was very profound. You know? I got a lot of creative boosts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. huge ones. Yeah, so. yeah, but just I guess for me, it was the central nervous system is the most important aspect of your being physical by far, and it has a lot more to do with that. And you know, and it's like okay, so you got your body, which is totally here. We got your soul, which is totally somewhere. But you have your central nervous system, which ties the two together. Right? So you have that medicine world and all the medicine coming from it. It's like blessings. And you got the physical world where you can channel all that into. And you just don't ever shut that bridge down. Right? And then, then you know, guys like Jesus, you know, yeah, you, whatever, the white dude with the long hair and the beard, you know. That's a real, you know, maybe that's not what his name is. And I don't think anybody would know. I don't know what he calls himself. He never speaks. He just puts that energy like the book, boom, right into you, and then it just kind of blossoms in your unconsciousness, and it's you. It's like, oh, you know. So those, you know, to really bridge those worlds, you you have access to those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my grandfather. That was so interesting. We were at somebody else's in one of the dreams. We were at someone else's house, and they were drink, having an ayahuasca ceremony. When I looked at it, it was like it looks more like wine. It was real thin, you know, and like more like an amber color. Huh. It's kind of interesting. Drank it. It was strong. I mean, it was good. But I wasn't leading the ceremony. I was just kind of. And they took me out of the ceremony room. They said, Can we, we need to put you in the back room. I'm like, for what? And I go in there and it's people suffering in the medicine. So I was just catering to them, you know, just like doing soplas with them, doing some limpia work, doing some energetic work. Some of them actually speaking to. And they, they go, we have a special one. And they brought my grandpa brought in. And it was, my, it was my grandpa. It was my mom's dad. And he's like this. I said, you all right, grandpa? And he just kind of looks at me. And I went up and was doing a soap on him and Olympia on him. And man, that was, oh, wow. I mean, you know, it could, is that something that I could translate to anybody else? No, but talk about ripples and waves going through your body. And, and seeing that, yeah, your ancestry is super important. They're not just people in your past no they there's a line that you're sharing all the way down and then we get to those depths of that it's pretty intense because you start to honor it he was real important in your life he was oh he was extremely yeah he was actually my mom it's my mom's dad he was the male role model for me Mm -hmm. and when his son my uncle passed away i think 21 something like that young really young he had a rare form of cancer just took him out and after that, it he just kind of withdrew. I mean, he had he not completely broke away yet. Really ruptured him and my grandma's relationship. Kind of tore that apart. And he was just looking to, you know, get away from the pain of losing his son. And uh, ended up moving him with some woman in Ohio, running a company out there. And uh, I, by the time I was like 15, I mean, saw him once after that. And, you know, I pretty much saw him every week. We were always going out to dinner, going over to their place, you know, go hang out at grandpa and grandma's house, go up to Minnesota all the time. So we, we spent a lot of time with him and he's the man that I felt safest around. And he was well loved everywhere we went. It was, he was a well loved individual in that town. And he had a lot of respect and gave a lot of respect, had class, like just straight up classy guy, but not like pretentious about it. You know, he used to play checkers with, um, um, uh, Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. <laughs> offered him, he, my grandpa told me, he's like, hey, I offered me stock, $11 a share. It's like, but I didn't play the stock market. It's like, man, 
you know, that's that's a big deal because that's a couple hundred thousand each. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but he was yeah, I was not earned it, but just you know, you go out to restaurants, everybody knew his name. Yeah, he was pretty prominent figure there. So, and he was prominent in my life just because he was a light, mm-hmm. always lit up, always always lit up till the till he lost his son, which devastated the whole family. Really, I mean, Do you think, uh, that guy was bright as can be. The Olympia was partly helping that pain of that. Yeah, yeah, I could feel I could feel my uncle, mm-hmm. you know, him around his son Danny, because mm-hmm. I've always felt Danny. I mean, from the time he passed away, I saw him standing in the living room. It's like, I think I've told that story where everybody's crying. And they're like, why aren't you crying? I'm like, he's standing right there. He's healthy as can be. And he's telling me not to worry. That day's fine. And then I could see him. And, you know, and he, I think he was one, I kind of felt like he was my guardian angel growing up as a kid, you know, because mm-hmm. as much trouble and mischief I, I could get into, it never went bad. I never ended up like, you know, some of the people we know end up in real bad streets for quite a long time. And, and just, you know, little little going sideways for maybe a few miles, straightening out, never really hitting the ditch or an oncoming car or a tree. Kind of was able to correct, correct, correct. And all those corrections when I was young, yeah, I kind of felt, feels like him. Like there's some influence there. Hmm. You know, your ancestry doesn't leave you. No, they're just they're just kind of sitting in a strand, like you know, like a strand of stars, like a constellation almost, mm-hmm. you know, little clusters of fam- of your family. You know, I feel you, you get to feel a lot of that. You know, it's like oh, that's flighty. Yeah, it is. You really take flight in that because you go into those upper echelons of of experience that it's not that much different than experiencing life here. I mean, there's different physics about it. Right? There's different ways of movement. There's weight feels different. You know, everything's a little different. But what it gets made up for in the kind of the the elimination of your senses, so to speak, is a heightened state of presence in your, I mean, that it comes right to your central nervous system into this body. Mm-hmm. You know, and it kind of just reeks of satisfaction that you're not really needing to chase anything. That's all right there. You know, and to really to be able to see that. So, you know, it's like I'm slowly getting back into my life. I'm not going fast. You know, I've got a few people coming over tomorrow. You know, so mm-hmm. I'll be eating rice and potatoes again. <laughs> and no pumpkin pie. And no pumpkin pie. <laughs> yeah. And then we have some friends coming up on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be, that's going to be fun. Yeah. That's going to be, yeah, that's going to be a good time. We're still acclimating to the altitude, I think. But. A little bit. And the dryness, oh my lord! Yeah, <laughs> my my skin my skin became so nice out there with all that moisture. Like you're just bathing in 100 percent humidity, mm-hmm. sweating now, for 30 straight days. Now I'm just dousing my hands on lotion every days, like yeah. three times a day now because they're just drying up like yeah. alligator skin. I mean, I I sweat from the time I got there till I left. Yeah. 33 days of just sweating. Yeah, that was the hottest I've ever felt it there. That's the hottest it's probably ever been there. I mean, yeah, a lot of the water holes dry, dried up. Where when we got there, I mean, those trees were looking sad, like all the leaves are drooping. Yeah. And then we got those couple of big rains, but it's yeah, it's they're stuck in heat, like a little heat band at the equator. That's not it hasn't broken in months, but it was like a hundred degrees several days in that hundred percent humidity. Yeah. Like, like it was humid all the time, but sometimes it would become oppressively humid, and I would know, oh. It's going to rain soon. And hopefully, like you're kind of praying, like, because it's becoming so humid that the sky can't hold this anymore. Right. Like, it, it just gets, like, yeah, and you Dumps. just feel it just shatter that point. The, by the way, when you sent me that, that, um, the, the lid. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was 
Excellent, wasn't Absolutely it? Absolutely necessary. So Robert, if you're I, going to do a dieta in the jungle, bring a large Tupperware lid. It's just from the dollar store. It wasn't even a nice one. It's just yeah. a dollar casserole dish lid, yeah. Tupperware lid. And they're very durable. They oh, that bolt. cools you off. I just sat there. Just, yeah, and you, in bed or in the hammock, you just like... Because mm -hmm. you'd brought an electric fan, and I wasn't going to say anything. I was like, that's not going to be the right thing. And then I brought two of those lids. Oh, no, it was the right thing for about an hour. Okay. Yeah, you, know, you just... Put it right between your legs, just let it blow up your body, and just like get this heat, this oppressive heat. But after about a couple of days of that, I get you get used to it. Robert was burning up in a ceremony years ago, and uh, he's like, I need something in. So I just, I don't get, I'm in the kitchen, pulled Tupperware lid and gave him. It's like for years, he said, always has Tupperware <laughs> lid now. So I knew that was, he was the one, I guess together we figured that out. So yeah, yeah. So, okay, anything else you want to say about it? Uh, I don't know. I feel like it would be good if, because if people get, uh, motivated to try diet after listening to us. Maybe uh -huh. we can go around and give some tips and tricks. I, I have a four-page gear list of things that I would recommend for diet that I can mm -hmm. write up. Um, Jenny has the female version of it too that we'll kind of combine together. And then also I think we, maybe a little like diet prep manual that we could come up with that kind of gives all the people who have been on dietas have just contributed a little something to it. And I think that may be a really useful. Well, that, and if, you know, if, if, if you go to, I mean, to me, Santuario is the place I go. I don't go anywhere else. Yeah. It has never done me wrong. Never. Not once. So that's where I'm going to go. That's where I've been going. But if people want to do it there, um, we actually have a guy that will be there translating. His name's Arturo. Phenomenal. Amazing human being. Amazing human being. Yeah. Tons of integrity. Mm -hmm. Tons of class. He's genius level intelligence. Yeah. It's a good, he's a good, he's a good bridge between that world and yours. Yeah. And uh, so he'll be out there and he'd be the one bringing you food. Yeah. So anybody who wants to go down and do that, I mean, we can definitely set you up right. and get to get down there and make sure, you know, and I mean, we can even check in on you. So you don't have to feel like you're, ah, cause you know, I think the first time for people who aren't really, you know, have never done anything like that before. It probably is pretty sketched out. I, I might be going down to Peru more often. Yeah. So if people want to go down and they want somebody to go, and maybe me that might go along and do it with them or something. Because mm -hmm. I, I made some business contacts there that I want to check in more often than oh, right, before, right. and really just do some. So with Shapipa, the Shapipa Collective, and it's they're just a great organization, and I think we can do a lot to help them. They can do a lot to help us. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it did make some great connections. Yeah. People. It's been really, really cool. Mm -hmm. And finding the right people. Yeah. You know, the ones that, you know, cause there's plenty, all of them will help you for a price, <laughs> but you know, the ones that actually like you bond with like their family, they feel where you're coming from. They right. feel, you know, like sitting with Arturo and letting him know it's like, here's, here's your position in this. Yeah, and, and he will been, be phenomenal at it. And he is phenomenal. Yeah, he's done. Like he and I have worked together on several projects outside of all yeah, this yeah, too, yeah. and it's been, he's been just a, a real blessing to me mm -hmm. in my life. So. Yeah, so you know, we can hook you up with him. He'll pick you up at the airport, drive you out to Santuario, hike mm -hmm. out there with you, be there for your whole dieta, no problem. So if you need to ask questions or you know there's some concerns you have, you can voice them to him, and he'll take care of them. He won't, you know, and he will not blow you off. No, no. What he says he's going to do, he'll do. And he's on time with everything. He's Peruvian, but he comes from the Western world of Peru. Right. And he also is in the medicine work, too, studying to be mm -hmm. uh, a maestro. So mm -hmm. he's, got, he's got a foot in both worlds. Yeah, he does. So that's the bridge, right? Yeah. To create that bridge between the Western world. Because, you know, it's like you see it that the maestros themselves, because they're older guys. Yeah. 
He's young. They, yeah, they're not. They're they're not even attempting to live in the world that's that's blossoming all around us at all. No, no, the plants are what matter. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about nothing. There's no explanations. You know, they're not. They don't concern themselves with your world. Mm-hmm. But so you know, there's a lot of times where you can see where you know, like seeing people from coming from other centers, you know, and seeing them and seeing them discombobulated. Some of them can be. And it's because it was just all a confusing experience. There was no bridge from what that is to the life they're living. Mm-hmm. You know, for someone who has had their feet in both worlds, those people are valuable to have at the place so they can kind of decipher what it is you're going through from like from the point of view that a Westerner mm-hmm. is doing it from. So, yeah. And then we'll, we're going to probably, April is probably going to be the next time we go down, but I'll see if there's any interest. Maybe we'll go down in February or March. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, definitely, I'm going to go in April. So yeah, yeah. And then for Montana Sagrada, um, we have a Facebook page on. Well, Facebook. Well, actually, I'm going to El Salvador in April too. So yeah, yeah. Montana Sagrada page. That's our schedule for the year. We're going to put up our okay. schedule again for the year. <laughs> We're going to pretty much just keep it the way it is because it works. Yeah. So it leaves you know weeks open for travel. Because mm-hmm. you know, I think this winter we're going to do some speaking engagements. And, you know, just yeah. some kind of road trip. Yeah, we're going to do a little road trip. If you live in a town that you'd like us to come speak in and want to help set that up, yeah. reach out to us through. Just find us a venue. We can do the rest. Yeah. yeah. Reach out to us through Facebook or. Yeah. I don't care if 10 people show up, 20, whatever. You know, it doesn't need to be 500 and tickets are this much. You know, we'll set a price that covers expenses. And yeah. Let's we'll call it that. Yeah, but that'd be cool. Like if a place that we've never been, but there's some small group of people that want to mm-hmm. have this, that'd be like Cleveland or something, you know? Like, it'd be yeah. cool. Yeah. We could talk sure. about, you know, doing deeper things as well. Yeah. So, yeah, just really kind of home basing in Colorado. The the infrastructure is next on the agenda. Now we got a lot of plans. Got a lot cool, of, a lot of cool plans. So, hey, if you got some free time, you want to come I, I got a few more things to say, okay. too. Uh, the central nervous thing, I totally and wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, even like reading in, in Carlos's books, he's sitting there trying to intellectualize everything, and Don Juan's just getting so frustrated. And, and actually, I laugh more than ever because I can finally see and understand Don Juan's frustration with Carlos. Mm-hmm. But Carlos didn't feel like he knew anything unless he could explain it back to you in an a- academic way. It's like, well, there's some knowledge that just doesn't lend itself. And that's the knowledge Don was trying to tell him, but it's like, this isn't going to be a thesis, bro. Right. This is something you know within yourself. And that's where it's stored. This wisdom is within that central nervous system. And, and I could feel the shifts in me. And I, I knew this from the previous data that the first two or three days, like I'm buzzing with city life and that buzz, you just have to kind of just, sit there and let the jungle and the medicine and your aloneness just kind of help just calm it all down. And then there's deeper levels, as you're saying, as you're going along. And then for most of it, you're sitting in a profoundly chill, energetic state within your nervous system. And and that's the, that's why it's so hard to say what the medicine is. Is it the thing you're drinking a shot in the morning? Kind of, partly. Part of it's sitting by yourself. Part of it's sitting by yourself in a jungle that never is quiet. Like, there's never a time where it's like, oh, all the animals have stopped making noise. Nope, nope, nope. There's a whole schedule, and different animals own different parts of the days. There's some that own the dawn, some that own the sunset, some that own the midday, some that the night. There's actually, 
I, I, I didn't know what they were at first. I had to really pay attention. I thought they might be birds, but there is a network of monkeys. And they basically, about every 30 seconds, a monkey went, chat, 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 chat. And then another one about <laughs> 200 yards, chat, 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 chat. And it was just all the sentries for different, uh, different monkey tribes or, or troops that were just like, all's good here. All good here. Yeah, it's good over here too. Yeah, we're fine over here also. And I thought, they I think, were just saying that to each other all night long. <laughs> I think there was one night where I, I did hear a monkey being taken out of the trees. <laughs> By something big yeah there's things out there there was things out there that sounded like growls like, i never was scared i was just like i'm not sure what that is but i'm sure it's not going to come in here probably and i never had a, a panic of fear i just like let everything just be as it was no it's the only thing that really gets in is cockroaches i had two scorpions yeah two scorpions I had a couple of rats come through yeah uh that a rat that was eating my backpack yeah uh, he didn't bother me. Well, yeah, and we're, we're going to initiate change with the Tombos up there, too, because two of them we're are, uh, yeah, a big old snake can get in there. Any, And that was a good reason you left, because yours had opened to the sky, mosquitoes were eating you alive in there. And and they fixed up them to some degree, but I was talking to Arturo, these need to be a lot better. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And mine was brand new, which is really beautiful, but they put wooden walls complete wooden walls on the two walls that had the breeze coming through. So it had, it was just a, a, a Betty Crocker hot, hot box oven in there because <laughs> it didn't, it had just, just barely any screen. So I said, take all these wooden walls down and just put screen up and that's going to be the best tambo after right, that. Right. So yeah, there's, there's and just uh, Jenny's floor was leaning at like a 12 degree angle. There wasn't, uh, it's just her, we got her bed level with some rocks and wood and mm -hmm. stuff. But so it seems like, you know, in those medicine places, the best places are the ones unheard of. They're not the big blue morpho. No. Know, you know, arcana. They're not, you know, rhythmia. No. No, the real powerful ones are the ones that very few people eat. He's, you know, he's not on Facebook propping himself up at all. Yeah. You know, he's not doing anything. You know, I think just, we probably do more to talk about them than yeah. they do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Well, anyway, I got, it was an amazing experience. So, I got one final thing I want to say. But, for people, if they're going out there, put the Isaac Cam on. Isaac Cam's on. Isaac Cam. If you're waiting while you're out there, you're doing something wrong. Right. Yeah. Waiting. What is waiting? This is what Jenny told me. Like, what's what's waiting? What are you waiting for? Life is happening right now. Right. Uh, and then the second thing is like, when you're out there, you're not gonna have access to your typical day to day behaviors. But so you kind of start to starve out those behaviors. That doesn't mean that they're not done with you, if that makes sense. And I noticed that once you get out of dieta, those behaviors come back with a force that you haven't experienced in a long time. So don't think that just because you're coming out of dieta, you're all... Shiny. Yeah. Like, no, there's a war at play and it's elevated when you get back from a dieta. Yep. Yeah. Yeah calls you up right yeah i mean you spend 30 days doing that it calls you up for sure yeah so anyway yeah. So that's it for the night yeah so keeping our energy together yeah 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 i mean we'll, still get, we'll get rambunctious again soon yeah i'm sure there's a rant in the future so and i'm sure that we'll have more that comes out of this yeah yeah, yeah oh yeah yeah, big yeah, time. yeah 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 we just touched the surface yeah but that's like a recap of dieta yeah for the 39th episode of Thanksgiving special Thanksgiving. of Wide Awake in Babylon. So, hope you enjoyed it. Have a good night. Yeah. Give thanks tomorrow. And when Jenny's here next, we'll hear hers. 
Or, yep, you know. we'll have Jenny on the next time she's out, so we'll have her on. Mm-hmm. She can talk about hers because mm-hmm. man, that what a trooper she is. Yeah. yeah oh yeah, she's a that's a warrior. Yeah, straight, straight up. up. Yeah, yeah. So that was cool. Anyway, we'll see you guys uh, soon. Peace. <laughs> Ha, <laughs> ha,